This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 27. Hi everybody, this week's guest, Fiona Humberstone, aka The Brand Stylist, I first met when we were both on a judging panel together for some Handmade Business Awards earlier this year. The entire panel was just made up of these incredible, inspiring women, but Fiona in particular really struck me with her clarity and just her vision for the entrepreneurs that were presenting to all of us. Her work focuses on brand styling, and we're going to talk about that in today's episode. But really, her work goes far beyond what you might see on a letterhead or on a page and deep into the heart of all of our creative practices. Hi, is that Fiona? Hello. Hi, welcome to Hashtag Authentic. Thank you very much. It is lovely to have you on here. It's lovely to be here. Would you like to do a little introduction for anybody listening who's not come across you before? Yes. So I am Fiona Humberstone, also known as The Brand Stylist. And so my Instagram bio says that I empower entrepreneurs to create powerful brands. And what that means in reality is that I like to champion people creating incredible brands. So I want to help people create brands that reflect who they are and their passions and feed their ambition and kind of get people to elevate their offering and create businesses that really work for them. Um, I'm really kind of against this idea of hustling. There's so much stuff out there on Instagram about, you know, the hustle and sort of celebrating grafting really hard. And I I don't think it needs to be like that. So, So I run workshops and I write books and online courses that help people create more powerful brands. And you have a beautiful brand yourself, which thank you works brilliantly to communicate your work. I guess maybe if people are listening and they feel a little bit unsure about what branding means, what it entails, or if it's for them, yeah, how would you describe it? Well, I think branding is everything people expect, experience and remember about your business. So when people, particularly small businesses, think about branding, they normally, what they mean is my logo. And actually, there's so much more to it than that. You know, it's about crafting an experience in your business. It's about just being really intentional. Everything you do in your business creates an impression, you know, whether that's the photography you use on your Instagram feed or the way you write your blog posts or, the, you know, what people experience when they come into your shop or your, you know, one of your live events. It's all adding up to your brand so how people feel about your business so why would you not be intentional why would you not create a business that works for you it makes a lot of sense to me it's something I find some people have sort of an intuitive sense of and for some people it doesn't come very naturally at all and they have to kind of start very intentionally and set out what they want to do is does that match your experience of working with clients yeah definitely some of us are just kind of born with that innate sense I guess of who we are and what we're about and we translate that really well into our businesses and lots of us really struggle to do that so lots of us struggle to separate ourselves from our businesses yeah particularly when you are the brand so you and I both run businesses where we are our brands but that doesn't mean that everything we do is relevant to our brands and what we do as a business so that can be really difficult I think and people find it very difficult to sort of pin down how that translates so you know they they might know 
who what their business does and who they want to work with for argument's sake but it can be quite difficult to translate that across to what does that mean in terms of the colors that I use on my website or the fonts that I choose or the you know how much space there is on my website design all of that stuff on a much smaller scale it's something we work on the institute my instagram course because it's this kind of the difference between everything you like and the things that you choose to use to represent yourself and you can't include everything you like in the entire world in that representation of yourself no you can't and I come across this a lot one of the things that people loved about how to sell your brand which was my first book was that I got them thinking about what they wanted to be known for and then we used color psychology to kind of work out how does that translate so how do you work out well like I say what kind of color palette you use what kind of shapes you use with your logo that kind of thing and some people really got it they were really focused and they knew what their business stood for and what I found with lots of people was that they were muddling their personal likes and dislikes with what was right for their business. Yes. And that's so common. I mean, I find, you know, with my own business that the seasonal personality that my brand is, is very different to my own personality. There's a link, but we're not the same thing. And my brand is not a direct representation of me as a person. It's kind of bringing in me as a person and what you get when you work with me, but also what you want out of the brand stylist, you know, what that brand and that business stands for and the value that I add. And that's very different to me at the weekend with my friends or, you know, me with the kids mm. or me with my husband. They're, you know, you're, do you remember that red advert for all the women you are? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, your business is just one part of who you are. And even something like me and Orla, which is a, you know, very closely aligned with your life, there's still going to be a probably quite small but subtle, you know, there's there's still a filter on, isn't there? Of course, there's parts of me that I keep back just for my family and parts of me that I don't like and don't want to include in my business, <laughs> you know, I don't want the part of me that loves a good afternoon nap to be a part of my business particularly. <laughs> You mentioned in there a couple of times the concept of colour psychology. Yeah. This is something that I, it's kind of been on my radar in the background for a long time, but it was through you that I really first kind of cemented what it meant in my mind. Can you explain it for beginners? Yes, let me try. Okay, so I think the best way of thinking about it is like you said at the very beginning, some people just have this innate ability to just intuitively reflect you know visually whether it's through their photographs or their brand identity they just know how to create sort of a brand and experience that says what they want it to say and that's something that for a lot of designers that comes with lots of experience Mm. and we learned about color psychology about 10 years ago I was running a design agency um, which I sold in 2012 when I had Poppy, my youngest. And one of my clients was a woman that had learned about colour psychology. And um, she used to teach and she kept saying to me, Fiona, you need to know about colour psychology. And I was thinking, we really don't. Like everyone knows that blue is calming and red's aggressive. Like what else is there to know? You know, that kind of really cliched slightly changing rooms kind of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We've made this logo red because they wanted to communicate this or something you know no it's it's so much more than that so eventually she wore me down 
And I thought, oh, we'll just do it as a team building thing. So we did this four day course. And in, in that time, what I learned totally transformed my business because what I discovered was it's not actually about what the color says. I mean, the co- yeah, that has an impact, but it's about harnessing the personalities that are in the seasons. And if you think about how the seasons change throughout the year, there's really different energies, isn't there? Mm. So, you know, we're just on that cusp of autumn now and suddenly there's this sort of energy in the air and this palpable feeling of efficiency and everyone's trying to crack on and you know real inspiration and it's the back to school feeling isn't it yeah. like new pencil case new shoes you can't help but be enthused by that infectious energy can you whereas summer was you know when it's hot which to be fair it's not always but <laughs> you don't feel like racing around anymore and then spring is that kind of burst of energy and burst of life and that fresh start you know that sort of new energy that you get in spring winter is much more dramatic you know you think about nature and winters you've got to be really tough as a plant to get through winter most plants and animals hibernate so color psychology is all about harnessing the personalities within those seasons and using that to reflect how you want your brand to come across What's really interesting is you have some really good visual representations of these on your blog. Thank you. On a post that I will link to in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. And immediately you look at it and I, I could put clients I've worked with straight into boxes and I knew yes. which one they went into. Like, yeah. Right on yeah. site. So that's what for me has been so powerful is when you understand which season a brand should be, you immediately know which kind of fonts tones of color so it's not like color me beautiful or any of that stuff that you heard of in the 80s 90s (laughs) and this is about you know every color appears in every season but in spring colors are light bright warm soft in summer it's those kind of farron ball um delicate quality shades in autumn it's the warm intense muted in winter it's clear intense and bright and with all of them, you know, orange doesn't just appear in autumn, it appears in all the seasons, it's just about which tone you pick. And you can, you know, in the online course, I show you how to apply it to the shapes of fonts you pick, or even the shapes. It's so, so, so powerful. And it just makes every decision easier. Because for those of us that don't either have all that experience, or just don't have that sort of inner intuition, Mm. It just shortcuts hundreds of design decisions. Right, because I find this about kind of everything aesthetic, that it's everything is an acquired taste. Yeah. So in the sense that you loved the outfit you wore when you were 19, but generally Mm. we look back and think, I would not wear that now. (laughs) And you maybe the first time you decorate your house, you think it looks amazing. And then a few years later, you're thinking, oh, what was I thinking? And, (laughs) you know, it could go on and on. I speak to so many people who say, oh, my wedding, if I did it now, I'd do it really differently because taste carries on evolving and improving. So what you're describing is kind of a shortcut to to some of those end conclusions as you're saying that I'm thinking no that doesn't apply to me that doesn't (laughs) (laughs) and that's not me being really arrogant what color psychology has allowed me to do is create spaces that feel right for me and my family Mm. so our home which we renovated about six years ago I've I'm kind of autumn spring my husband is autumn summer so I made sure 
that we had lots of natural textures in there. You know, we've got wooden floors, we've got oak framed extension. For me, we've got lots of light. And for Pete, we've got lots of natural textures like linen sofas and um you know, the space, it doesn't look very calming today, but um, it should be quite calm. And what that means is, even as fashions move on, the place still feels right to us. Yes. And that's the thing with your brand. And I, I really notice this a lot is, I call it magpie syndrome, where, you know, sometimes you haven't even launched the brand identity and you're looking around to what else is out there and you're like, oh, but I really like that. And <laughs> yeah. you feel like you should change it all. Or, you know, you go through this phase of changing your logo every six months, which sometimes that's needed because your business evolves at such a pace that you've just got to keep up. But obviously, there's only so many times you can do that without looking like a nutter. So. <laughs> And losing all sense of identity in the process yeah. as well. Yeah, so it, it makes it helps you make more intentional, meaningful decisions that should last a lot longer than sort of fashion. It's interesting to hear you describe your process and kind of your home and how everything has been influenced by this knowledge because I feel like I've come to the same place but the opposite way round if that makes sense so so like I have always painted my interiors white from like age 16 I was like I just want everything white and I've never looked back (laughs) but gradually found that that it needed those natural things in there as well for me Mm. and with my branding kind of I've I've had certain elements that I intuitively knew but it's been more of a long process to get them all to this point yeah but then it's quite funny to then kind of look at look at this from a branding perspective and realise that it has all come to still meet exactly one of those categories. Yeah. Within. I'm interested to ask you, like, what what season you think me and Ola would be? I obviously have my own idea. Oh, God. <laughs> well, um... Put you on the spot. I know. So the temptation is to look at your website, which I'm looking at and have been all the time we've been speaking, and say, well, she's using black and white, so therefore it must be winter. And it could be. So you've got a coolness. The way you edit your photos has a coolness about mm, it. That's true. So that would make you either winter or summer. So spring, autumn, share a warmth and an extrovertness and a kind of approachability, if you like. Autumn, sorry, summer and winter share a coolness and quality is really important to them. You've got the nature, the lovely naturalness in your logo, you know, the way that that's been illustrated. Mm. And it feels quite light. So there's not the drama that I would expect from winter and yeah there's kind of a softness and a lightness as well so I would say based on what I can see and what I know about you you're kind of on the cusp between summer and winter interesting Um, which is probably about right because you're an expert at what you do and you probably want to have a little bit more substance than just summer on your own would give you because you probably want to elevate yourself because you have, you know, you've achieved a lot and you're an expert and you teach. And so you probably need that element of winter coming through. This is fascinating, actually, to hear to hear how you apply it is really interesting. Well, if I was doing it for a client, what I would generally do is, so I'm, I'm coming about it a bit backwards. Yeah. Because I'm saying, what can I see rather than how do you want to come across and therefore what's right for you? Right. I think, though, we're ending up at the same point, which is that your website is lovely and it's all right. 
as in all correct. Well, and um, but also, I guess, is one of the things I struggle with is I feel like it's never done. Yeah, yeah. And I think, see, I haven't had that. So I, I have had it in the past. I totally have. With my design agency, I constantly felt like I wanted to change it. I wanted to tweak it. And I think interestingly even though the design agency was more of a representation in theory so my design agency was autumn spring I never felt like it was polished enough you know I was I always felt like we were missing opportunities I think because it wasn't we'd have a lot of clients who were autumn you know lots of food organic type companies and it worked really well for them right there's lots of wedding industry but every time we had a potential fashion client who I really wanted to work with I'd sort of leave the meeting feeling feeling a bit embarrassed that we hadn't quite you know that we didn't quite fit with what they were looking right yeah and I think you know now I'm a bit older and so I'm a bit more experienced and more confident in myself and I can think more clearly because I don't have whacking great overheads to support mm, yeah. before less pressure and I'm starting with a clean slate with the brand stylist as well you know I've always with the brand stylist I've always thought about where do I want to take my business and how can my brand support that whereas with my design agency it was more along the lines of right who are we working with now and how can our brand reflect what we do so well yes and I guess if you think like that then you're you're never really achieving your full potential are you you're not stretching yourself in that you're just packaging up what you do already and trying to meet other people's expectations all the time rather than your own yeah so when I redid my brand identity so I worked with this amazing lady Shauna from We Are Branch and she did my logo which is lovely and then I did the colour palette with her and I kind of took it on and developed it further for brand brilliance and you know the online stuff and maybe it's something to do with it not being all done by me that I feel like I can leave it alone (laughs) you can't if you if you've done it yourself but yeah I really feel very confident that it reflects me and where I want to sit and you know that doesn't mean that I don't tweak things. So one of the things Shauna put in my brand identity with this lovely marble background, which I used to death last year. I loved it. And this year I want something a bit cleaner and fresher. So actually I'm taking it out. Interesting. Those are little tweaks. But no, I think your brand identity is lovely. And I love, I love the, so the graphic for the Insta retreat mm. is a lovely summer blue, isn't it? It's like a, you know, it's got a softness to it and a coolness yeah, and that surprised me when it first came back from my graphic designer, who's called Morgan Parsons. I'll link to her as well in the show notes. But it surprised me at first because I'd said to her, I want it to not be too feminine. I want it to be something that is accessible to everybody. Mm. But it really works, actually. And Yeah, and it, I think it's lovely. So the only thing I might consider doing with your website is I think you use black at the moment, don't you, for your text? Yes. So if it, it's probably a really easy thing to do, depending on how your website's built. But just see what happens if you change that black to 80 or 90% black. Ah, so a bit softer. Yeah, I think you'll just find that everything just sits more in line with your photography. And because you've got so much space around everything, it will still feel like it's got a winter edge. 
but the colours will just harmonise a little bit more. That sounds like an immediate to-do for me. I'm tempted to just <laughs> stop this call for a minute and go and do it now. <laughs> you might not like it and then that's okay. Yeah, but I, do you know when I make graphics and things, I tend to go for a dark grey. So that Yeah, well, there you go. And, you know, I think your logo is actually a grey. Yeah, it may well be, probably. Yeah. You don't want to get so caught up in it that you, you know, you lose sleep over it. It's not worth it. But... If you were saying I'm going to be summer with kind of a winter subordinate, a winter undertone. So what that means is you use cool colours that have a softness and a mutedness about them. And you go as black as you dare, but you don't go quite with black. What you're looking for in terms of your colours is that rather than them having a clarity like winter would have, you just have a little edge of grey in them. Ah, yes. A little bit more of that softness. Yeah. That it makes perfect sense, actually. And it kind of, the things that aren't quite working for me, suddenly I'm looking at my site thinking, oh, okay. Yeah, well, you might find when you do that, see, lots of the stuff with colour psychology is that it's completely subconscious. Yes. So you won't have looked at this with, like, your, oh, I must change the black hat on. But because I've been doing this so long, I can see that's probably... It's just causing a little bit of discord. Yes. And that's probably why you feel like you want to change it. Wow, amazing. I should be, pay- <laughs> I should be paying you for this. This is a- turned into a consultation. <laughs> Let's get back to the people listening then, I suppose. Yeah. Well, hopefully they got some value I from that. I think they really Let's... will. I think, yeah. <laughs> and, and also, they can. I'll link to everything so they can take a look and see exactly what you were talking you about. screenshot it before you... you should screenshot yes actually do a before and after That's see what you think point. I'll do that and put it on the post so people can see so I was listening to your podcast in France when I was running so obviously that little interlude's not going to be so useful for the people out running is it but... <laughs> they can check when they come back though yeah uh, yeah shout out to the people running right now <laughs> so I guess it's kind of an interesting question then though so are there common pitfalls that you see that people are making with their branding are there common mistakes that you come across yeah I mean I hate saying they're mistakes because that that sounds really mean doesn't it and I just think you know we're all anyone that is running their own business is doing an amazing thing there are so many people that would love to run their own businesses and just don't have the courage to do it that you know anyone that is doing it is amazing and you know I guess sometimes I forget that that branding isn't people's sole focus like they've actually got a business to run as well (laughs) like there's a thing that they do that they're paid to do so I think well there's a few things I mean the obvious one I hate to call it out first is everybody uses black hello yes (laughs) unless you're winter unless your business is winter then just don't use black because it just throws everything else I've got to be honest it's very not obvious on your site but you know I certainly when we'd done our color psychology course back in 2008 and I went back and looked at our portfolio I was mortified because (laughs) eight out of ten projects you know we'd use black for and it just didn't work so black is the first thing I think I think the second thing is we've touched on already again is confusing yourself with your business Mm. third again we've touched on it is Branding yourself for where you are at today rather than where you want to be. And, you know, you want to create a brand that reflects where you are, but that gives you a bit of stretch. Yeah, and, and room to grow and Yeah, exactly. Evolve. 
Yeah, definitely. And then the other thing, and I'm just working on this course actually at the moment, I'm working on a course called Design for Go-Getters because as someone, I mean, I my business, we must have created 300 brand identities for companies when I had the design agency. Wow. And now I work as a consultant. So I, I'm a brand consultant for bigger companies. And what I notice, which really breaks my heart, is, you know, people will invest in the brand identity and they'll get their designers to do the important marketing stuff. But the truth is, all of us, doesn't matter how big your business is, all of us have to do some design work in-house, don't mm, we? Yeah. You know, whether that's putting a proposal together or client presentation or, you know, a poster or whatever. And it breaks my heart to see how different what the designers are capable of doing to what most entrepreneurs can produce in-house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Downloads for your website, that kind of thing. And I think it's almost like, you know, nobody teaches us how to design, do they? I mean, most if you can't draw fine art when you're 13, then you're not creative and you're kind of you're pushed down another route and that's you don't it yeah really, you don't really do any design after that do you and you know lots of design agencies they're amazing at producing what you call them style guides brand guides brand mm. guides, whatever you want to call them but but most entrepreneurs almost don't know how to use them or how to implement them so they'll create something that has the logo at the top but that's kind of it you know we're not using the right fonts or the right colors and it just leaks credibility. So what I'm trying to do at the moment is create a course that teaches entrepreneurs how to design. Amazing. Because that was one of my questions was, do you think it needs a professional? But I think lots of things do. And I really love and respect what designers do. And there's a lot of experience that goes into that. And, you know, I'm not of the mindset that you never need to use a mm. designer again. That would be ridiculous. But what I do think is that if you're going to produce some work, why would you not make it look smart and professional and on brand? Absolutely. You know, it's not going to have the creativity maybe that your designer would have. You don't need to produce anything breathtakingly different, but you can make it look really professional, well laid out. You can use hierarchy so that it makes sense to people when they look at it. And also save yourself a lot of time because I find, because yes. I'm not an, a natural designer, that there's a lot of time spent in Photoshop rearranging and trying to work yeah. out what's wrong with it. Because I know it's not right, but I can't necessarily put my finger on why. Yeah. And that time thing is a funny thing because I've, you know, with the, having this course in the back of my mind, I've spoken to, I've got a lovely client who makes artisan gelato. It's incredible. Oh, wow. And they have a lovely brand identity. And <laughs> she... She created a poster for our local shop. And yeah, it just, let's just say it, you know, it looks quite different to what I or Kaz, the designer, would have created. And when I, you know, I was just interested in how did we get there? And she, you know, she was like, well, I was really busy. And I think it's one of those things where I'm really busy and I've just got to get something out. Mm. And so, you know, either you don't have the time to go back to your designer or you don't have the money to go back to the designer. But the opportunity of a poster that's going to go in, you know, all the national trusts in the area and all the Estellis, that opportunity cost is much bigger than a couple of hours of your designer's time, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to do you justice. 
Yeah, but, you know, you probably had to wait a few months before your designer could fit you in. Yeah. And we can't go back to our designer for every poster we want to produce. Definitely. And for things like, so sometimes I want to make something for my Instagram stories or something for a Twitter, you know, or an event that I've just decided I'm going to just quickly do in a week's time or those sorts of things. Yeah. I was talking to my friend Elizabeth actually about Instagram because, again, you know, most of us understand about consistency, don't we? And so... I have ready set up files for my Instagram graphics that Mm. have the fonts in the right place. I'm looking at your Insta retreat, you know, it looks a little bit like that. And I was talking to Elizabeth because she puts lots of quotes up and she obviously got that she wanted the fonts to be the same size. But if you've got a quote that's five words long, then the space around the quote is going to be very different to one that's 30 words. And, you know, we were talking about how as an entrepreneur, you need to understand what what takes priority. So I was saying to her, space, proportion, balance has to take priority over consistency of fonts from one Instagraphic to the next. Right. But people don't tell you that stuff, do they? No, no. And, and so you, earn, you end up either learning from your mistakes, which is yeah. time again, or, or never really stopping to review it because you're so busy just running ahead. Mm, yeah. It's, it's a shame we don't teach this stuff because it really is a skill for the modern world. Yeah. I think especially with the internet, like we've all got such a web presence now. We're very visible in so many places and in so many ways. Yeah, completely. The days of when it was just your letterhead and maybe something in a shop window have kind of left us haven't they and it's much bigger than that yeah so when I started so I started working for a print company in Nottingham in 2000 and people that were starting a business they would come in and they would get a letterhead a business card and a brochure (laughs) and I kind of miss those days (laughs) (laughs) and you know people's expectations of brands were totally different so We accepted 20 years ago that if you were a small business, you would not have a polished, well thought through brand identity. You just you just didn't expect it. Yeah. And I was writing about this with Brand Brilliance, about how the markets moved on. You know, when I started working in the industry 20 years ago, I was cold calling people. I was going to local networking events. I was sending out mail shots and it was all about pushing out your message. Whereas now, and you're a great example of this, it's all about pulling, isn't it? It's all about attracting your tribe and enchanting them. And, you know, branding is more important than it's ever been. And we don't make that differentiation. We don't give anyone any slack for the fact that you're a small business. We expect you to look just as polished as the big guys. But actually, I think we've, uh, certainly I've got higher expectations of small businesses because I know what's possible and I know how creative we can be and how well it's been done and actually I think lots of people are looking to small businesses now for inspiration you're right good small business branding completely outweighs for me big business branding like Pepsi versus yeah you know a small entrepreneur and I guess as well because we know that it can be personal so Pepsi can't afford to be too personal for one kind of one kind no. of customer I suppose but yeah we can because of what we do and the the way we work is obviously a lot more bespoke yeah yeah and it's it's a really interesting industry to be in it you know it's totally different so when I don't know if I told you the story of 
how to style your brand, did I? But, no, uh, I don't think so. So I'd wanted for years, I had wanted to produce this book because when I had my design agency, the number of people that would come in and, you know, for an initial meeting and they'd have this hideous logo that they'd paid a lot of money for and they hated it and it didn't seem right. And, you know, so many people, I would walk them through my process and we'd work out what season they were and you know, we'd come up with a brand identity that felt right for them and, you know, inspired them and helped their businesses grow. And so many people said to me, I wish I'd known about you a year ago or two years ago and I wouldn't have wasted this money. So that's why I wrote How to Style Your Brand, because I wanted to give people just an insight. You know, it's not about DIYing your brand identity. It's about understanding how branding works and then making smart intentional choices to get the result you want and sort of distancing your personality from the process in the meantime I really think things happen for a reason don't they and timings happen for a reason very much yeah I'd never managed to do this book while I had my business and thank goodness I didn't because it would not have been the book that it is no because of that so I wrote it when Poppy was I think she was a year and she was sleeping at those lovely days when they sleep for two hours a day. Oh, I miss those days. (laughs) Yeah. And I wrote it in about five or six months, I think, while she slept every day. And then I started to go to some publishers to look for someone to publish the book. And I just basically, I wanted to produce a coffee table business book. And there isn't a publisher apart from mine in the UK that offers that Mm -hmm. so I was going to interior design publishers who were saying oh it's a really nice idea but we don't do that and then I was going to business book well I didn't even bother going to business book to be honest because I, I wanted a coffee table book so it became really clear that if I was going to do it I had to publish it myself um, and I remember having a meeting with Jo Copestick who's published well she was behind decorate Holly Becker's book yeah I know Jo <laughs> well she's amazing and she she said to me so how how many books do you think you'll sell and I was like well 10,000 that's got to be realistic and she said um, <laughs> look people just don't buy books the way they used to anymore so you know if you've sold a thousand in a year you'll be doing really well and I was really gutted because I genuinely believe that my business would become producing these books Mm. I thought you know I've done all the numbers I thought actually selling 10,000 books in a year that looks like quite a nice number actually because instead of getting a pound per book you were getting quite a lot more and there's there's 10,000 people who need that advice so you'd be serving a really good purpose yeah but she gave me a real reality check and so luckily I ordered 2,000 books because can you imagine if I'd I mean, how much money it would have cost to buy 10,000 books and then store them. And Yeah, your house would have been made of books. It would have been a nightmare. Yeah, although even with 2,000, I thought I was going to store them under the bed. (laughs) 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 And then the printer started talking about pallets. Anyway, so I sold all 2,000 within six weeks, which was a bit mind-blowing. And it's now, I've lost track. I think I'm on my eighth reprint, which is just amazing. I, I print 5,000 at a time now. So we've. I can't be on the eighth, can I? I don't know what I'm on. But yeah, so it's. I'm printing the 25,000th le- lot at the moment, which is just amazing. So yeah, I just, I think one of the lovely things about How to Style Your Brand is it's been really 
well received. So still in the UK after about two and a half years, it's number one on Amazon, which is mind blowing. It's amazing. And and I think what's lovely about that is it's empowering entrepreneurs to make better decisions. So people come to me and they tell me that they're so excited about their brand identity and that they feel like it's right for them. And that's really rewarding because that's exactly what I'd wanted to do. And I think sometimes when when people tell you that something can't be done, it's a good idea to listen. And sometimes when people tell you something can't be done, but you know in your gut and your instinct that it's right and that it's needed, you need to follow that. Mm. And that was the big lesson with How to Style Your Brand for me is that nobody knows this market and this challenge like I did. And I saw a gap and I wanted to fill it. And yeah, it's been really, really nice takes a lot of courage oh my gosh it takes a lot of courage and a brave husband because I was spending our (laughs) our savings (laughs) yeah he's much more supportive now that he sees the royalty checks (laughs) (laughs) like with how to style your brand I said to Mark take me I don't know three days to design it I set aside five in January and I basically ended up working about 70 80 hour weeks for the whole of January and um, understandably, he was there thinking, what is she doing? Like, you know, she's spending all our money and... I'm not she, seeing her. Yeah, and she's about to have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> the point of selling her business was that she had a better life. And look at her, she's doing this now. And um, yeah, he was much more like, oh, yeah, take all the time you need for Brand Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. my husband's on on similar lines like always been supportive always had faith in me but has a lot more now the uh, (laughs) now the money's (laughs) coming in to back up all of my (laughs) ideas and dreams yes so if people are listening and feeling inspired as I'm sure they are to give their brand maybe a bit of a refresh or an overhaul but have no idea where to start what would you say well I would say you should start with brand brilliance which is my new book so Brand Brilliance is all about working out what your message is, where you sit in the market, what you want to be known for, what what it is that makes your brand brilliant. And it's something people people know that they need to get a logo sorted. They don't always realize that they need a lot more clarity around their messaging. Mm. I think that's something you're really clear on who you are and what makes you different. And lots of people really struggle with that. And that's when, you know, when they're struggling to work out what to include in their feed and how to filter, it's because they don't have enough clarity around their brand and what it stands for. So I would start with Brand Brilliant, then pick up How to Style Your Brand, and then come back to Brand Brilliant, where there's the second half of the book is all about creating a website and and really game-changing marketing materials exciting that will make a huge difference but there's tons of free stuff on my blog as well so loads of downloads that all work with the book I mean you can do them without the books as well but obviously they work really well with the books so people can dip their toes in and then then get started when they're ready and you mentioned online programs as well yeah yeah so the color for creatives course is that's just really powerful so you can use it for your brand but you can also use it for just improving your own creative practice. I mean, the number of light bulbs it will give you. You obviously do 
lots of your stuff very intuitively don't you but it it will help make all of that make sense yeah it's just mind-blowing so i've I launched level one in July. I'm going to work on the design for go-getters and then I will launch another level two and three next year, probably. Exciting. I find you so inspiring as well that you are just, you know what you want to do. You are (laughs) getting on with it. You're not getting in your own way. You're just getting to it. I don't very often. I, I think that's because I don't have very much time. Poppy's only just gone to school. I've had a child at home for 14 years. You know, I have big gaps between my kids and I can't afford to get in my own way. You know, yeah, we need the money. I think that's that's my secret too, is that there's never enough time. So yeah. if I've got, once you spent six hours in that day feeling really frustrated that you couldn't get on with the project, you're yeah. ready by the time you yeah, sit yeah, down yeah, exactly. to get on. And since I've had a little bit more time, I've actually, I kind of miss some of that impetus, that push. Well, this has worried me. I spent an hour this morning booking theatre tickets. This is not like, <laughs> it wasn't an hour, actually. I did several other things in the meantime. But, you know, like, I ne- I don't waste time. And I'm worried that I'm going to start wasting time now Poppy's at school. I'm going to have to get organised again. But maybe we deserve to waste a little bit of time now. And yeah, then. sometimes it's okay, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should have you back on the show in a year's time and hear about how the a year of more time has worked out for you. Oh, I would love that. It'd be Thanks. really interesting. So if people want to check you out online, can you share your links and handles? Yes. So the brand stylist. So the brand stylist.com is my website. And the brand underscore stylist is my Instagram. Are you on Twitter? Oh, you find you'll find me on there. I should just delete it, shouldn't I? I haven't used it for <laughs> it's a year. A step too far. It is. It like it takes my MailChimp feed, oh, and that's, yeah, I should just delete it. Really, I don't use Twitter anymore. Much prefer Instagram. Who doesn't? We all love Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom, and it was just lovely to talk to you. Hey, thank you. If you're listening to this podcast as it goes out, so that is in October 2017, Fiona is offering listeners of the show £20 off her colour psychology course with the code me and Orla. So that's all one word. I'll include all the details of that offer as well as a link to the course that you can buy at in the show notes, which will be at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast 27. And you have until the 31st of October to take advantage of that if you'd like. I'll also add links to all the things we've talked about and some of the screenshots of the before and after transformation of my website between the black text and the grey so you can see what you think. Let me know what you thought of this episode and everything else by tweeting me at me and Orla or I'm on Instagram under at me underscore and underscore Orla, those annoying underscores and you can tag me in your posts there as well. I hope you're having an awesome week and I'll see you next time.